I'm Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. For this interview I'm sat in the wheelhouse of the trawler Jacinta, birthed at Fleetwood's Old Fish Quay. Jacinta has recently been restored as a working museum demonstration of what life was like aboard one of the large deep water trawlers, hence the background noise. And with me today is Frank B, a member of the group responsible for that restoration. A poacher turned gamekeeper in some respects, who now at the age of 86 has spent many years working within the fishing industry, including time spent at sea both on the Icelandic runs and inshore. Knowledge he used to develop Fleetwood and Morecambe Bay into one of the country's premier charter boat fishing venues, a reputation that unfortunately has since slipped, before downsizing and moving into dinghy fishing. Where prior to becoming a founding member of the Wireboat Angling Club, guided Mark Miller to the Northwest best ever cod of £42, a fish that surely will never be bettered. Frank, here we are sat in the wheelhouse of Jacinta where it's warm and dry, but tell us what it was really like to work at sea back then, and how that ultimately led to your charter fishing days aboard Viking, and later to the small boat fishing too. How I got involved in the inshore fishing I was in the thirties, we used to help when the prawners used to come in on the beach and at the north end at Fleetwood. Um, we used to help them to get the baskets of prawns and shrimps and fish up I suppose onto their, their car because um, we didn't have lorries in those days and we used to push the car to uh, wire fishermen's headquarters in, in Victoria Street at Fleetwood and it, all the prawns would all be picked by we did about 60, 70 women working upstairs and downstairs in the uh, in the shop um, and they would pick the prawns and um, it kept a lot of people in work in those days. You could uh, go to the, the shop and get mat bags of prawns and shrimps and carry them home and put them on the old wooden tables in those days and pick them. And I used to have my brother and my grandma and two brothers and when we used to come home from school we used to work for at least an hour before we could go out and play because we had to do this money was short in those days and that was the start of me getting involved in the in the fishing industry I suppose because when I uh, well I left school I went on the uh, I joined one of the ships uh, and the chap I sailed with was a, a chap called Harry Saltzhouse and the ship was called the White Heather I was 14 year old and we was going out, I remember this so distinctly, we was going out early one morning about 6 o'clock in summertime, which was daylight, and I was stood in the hole with my hands in my pockets and I was whistling away and the door opened in the wheelhouse and a hand came out and, and Harry Saltzhouse said, you can knock that whistling off, we get enough wind without you whistling for wind. And from that, I have never ever whistled on a ship and I spent four years in the Navy, my fishing time at Fleetwood, me in shore time, and I've never ever whistled on a ship since. I think I learned a lesson that day, but it's that, that's the superstitions of the old fisherman. Because Harry, was, he started his career as in, the, in the smack job at Fleetwood, which was uh, under sail, which was uh, very hard work. And then, and the chap who owned the White Heather, called Jackie Martin, he had a ship called the Luella and I, I, served, I sailed with Jackie for three or four years and that was the start of my career in the, uh, in the, in the inshore fishing industry. Um, I served about four or five years doing that and then I went sea netting for 12 months or so and I did a few trips 
uh, in the uh, very early 50s. I did a few trips deep sea fishing, uh, swallowed the anchor and in 1948 I married a, a girl from London. Um, she came up here and, and I suddenly decided I'd had enough of fishing. Um, I'm going down to London. So she said, good idea. So we went down to London and uh, I saw an advert in the Evening Standard for a blockman, as they call them, what we call up here fillers. Um, I got this job in Billingsgate Market. After about 18 years, I suddenly said, shall we go back to Fleetwood? So she wasn't too particularly keen with being a Londoner, but when she, she abided by my wishes and I came back to Fleetwood and first thing I did, I went back fishing for about 12 months. And then I packed that in, bought myself a little van. I started a fish round in Blackpool and I, and I finished that after 25 years. The last 25 years of my working life was involved in uh, selling fish to people in to friends, not not customers, to friends in Blackpool. What about your time when you went on the Icelandic runs and also then, then you got into the charter skippering? Well, I did uh, in the 50s, I did three trips to sea, but I wasn't uh, I wasn't impressed with it. What was it like up at Iceland? Well, it was like 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 it always is up there. If it's if it's nice weather, it's not so bad. But when it's rough, it's not not too good really. But uh, well, you, you, we had to do it. You, it was a job. I mean, I wasn't the only one that was doing it. There was hundreds and hundreds of people fishing up there in those days, up until the Cod War, anyway. And I suppose when you think about the Cod War, it's um, the less said about that, the better. When I started my fish round, within six months, uh, I've always played about in boats. Even when I was down in London, I always had a boat on the on the beach at either Hastings or Folkestone. Uh, I had a 14 foot boat built, which I used to go angling in, me and a pal of mine. Um, and we had that one on a, on a, on a stayed at, um, at, on Hastings Beach. And I suggested to him that we get a bigger boat, so we went and ordered a, a 20 footer from uh, a chap in Rye, Harry Phillips, a very old boat builder. And he built us this boat in the late 50s. It was 20 foot, she had about a 6 foot beam, 7 foot beam. She was Elm on Oak, and he put a two-cylinder list of diesel in it, and uh, we used to go all over the Hastings with that, and then uh, a pal of mine got me a mooring in Folkestone Harbour. Anyway, when I came back to Fleetwood, and I started my fish round off, I thought with the experience of my insured days, when we used to fish for skating place in, in Morecambe Bay, or the upper reaches of Morecambe Bay, uh, the experience of lining that we used to, we used to line for ochre in, in uh, my inshore days. So I got the, uh, I bought a boat and started uh, angling and made uh, quite a success of it. Um, I had four boats all together and the last one was the, um, she was she used to be a lifeboat on the, uh, one of the P&O boats that was scrapped and I paid a thousand pounds for it, fitted it out, put another engine in and started chartering and I think I made a success of it. Uh, I enjoyed it because I was getting paid to do something that I enjoyed to do myself because I did a little bit of fishing myself as well so I was paid for something that I really did enjoy. And I, I did that for about 20 years and then as you get older, I was getting into my early 70s then, I decided to call it a day chartering and I bought a small boat and I was a founder member of the Wyboat Angling Club and I did that for a few years and uh, up until the 
pleasant day. And you're still fishing? Still fishing, yeah, not, yeah. not so much though, it, was, it knackered me that day, it really did. Yeah, but it's still there, you were still oh, going on to my reels and uh, you know, I still want to, it's there bodily, but yeah. it's, you know. That boat of yours, that, was it V2? Yeah. Uh, the dinghy? Yeah. Has the cod record yet for the Northwest? That's still? right, it has, yeah. 42 pounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it That's has. Some fish. A nice fish. Yeah, I bet yeah. it was. Yeah, it was a nice fish, was that? Considering the, the, the lad, the young Mark, he was only, I think he was only about 14 and a half then, he said, will you take me fishing one day? Like I said, of course I will. It was a distant relative of mine, and uh, so he didn't have any gear, so I quit, I fitted him up with a rod and reel and put a trace on for him, and lo and behold, up comes a 42 pound cod, which is a, the northwest record, and I don't think it'll ever be broken. I'm sure it will. No, there's no chance, is there? No. Those days are gone. No. Long gone. What was that, late 70s, early 80s? It was, no, we formed the Wyboat Angling Club in 1982, and uh, it was about two or three years before that. Yeah. The very late 70s, yeah. 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 But what happened that brought all those caught on like that? We had, we had these bumper years where, for year on year, you, you didn't have a lot of fish, but I think, like, a I, fish. like I've said to you before, Phil, I think that it's a cycle that, 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 that these fish go through, even now we're having bad years of cod, but then another couple of years and, you, and you, you're back where you started from, not with the big cod, not so much the big cod, but we're still getting three, four and five pounders, and, and many times I've seen boats coming in with 20, 30, 40 fish sometimes, and, but like last year there wasn't many about, um, now what this year is going to bring, I believe somebody uh, caught a five pound and dropped it on and tried to net it but he lost it and that's uh, we're only into October now and, and that's early for cod I mean we usually start getting them about November time and you get the three four and five pounders and then along get towards Christmas you get the eights and tens and then into January and February them's the best two months for the big cod from my experience they're fishing for big cod it's always in January and February, mm -hmm. 20 pound plus. Well those years are gone I think when we had all those big yeah, fish. They, they, like I say Phil, it's a cycle that fish goes through, I mean, uh, look at other other types of fish, take the place for instance, you you get good good years at place fishing and now place fishing, that's another little story. In my, in my inshore days, I served on the Luella for uh, two or three years, and then I joined Dick Wilson, a very, very old, good, good inshore fisherman was Dick. He had a boat called the Lassie. Now when the, when the place come in, in May time, in Morecambe Bay, we used to fish it right the way through until get towards no, up at the end of October and November, once you start getting the cold nights, the place take off and they migrate south. The, the inshore lads at Fleetwood used to take the ships down to fish out of Moston in North Wales on the river, um, it's on the D, isn't it? The D, the River D. Mm -hmm. Or we would tie up at the at the Key in Rill, and we'd fish the Constable Bank for place, and we'd spend ten weeks down there and come back just before Christmas, catching lots and lots of place. The migration of place as they as they migrated south, you see, they they'd left Morecambe Bay, and they was down off the Constable Bank in North Wales. I'm sure that these cycles of cod are right, but the thing is that there's that much commercial pressure these days. I don't think the fish are going to get back to those sort of sizes again. Yeah, but when you, now when you talk about that film, 
You take Fleetwood for instance, commercially, what have we got left? You've got about 10 balls, you've got two or three that go out for three or four days, the rest are what we call tied, they go out at say, um, say our walls is three o'clock in the morning, they go out with the M and they come back in the afternoon with the, with the flood and they get, a, they get a day's pay. But commercially, we've got nothing at Fleetwood, isn't it? And it's the same all over. I was talking to a pal of mine at Folkestone. Now Folkestone used to have at least eight fishing boats in shore boats. They've got none now. Folkestone is absolutely void of, uh, of commercial fishing boats. Why, I don't know. I know at Hastings they, they used to launch the boats from the beach um, and they've still got a few boats still fishing from the beach at Hastings. What about the thornbacks up here? What do you think oh, of the situation well, of the thornbacks? <laughs> well, I mean, in my time chartering, I caught a lot, a lot of thornbacks. I really did. Hundreds and hundreds over the years. Well, I suppose, I mean, in one year, I had 860 in one year, because you used to keep a, a check on how many you caught each time. I was only doing four days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday chartering. Um, and there's many times you couldn't get out for weather, but what we did, we always got plenty of roker. And, and I remember in one particular year that I had 861 year in, on, on the Viking. And all of a sudden, the roker have gone somehow. They're getting just a few, the odd few on the north side of Loon, where we used to go lining and catching lots and lots of roker. Um, and all of a sudden, the roker start to take off, or they don't come. My own theory of this, and I don't think I'm far wrong here, they built the Eastham power station, the nuclear power station at Eastham in, I can't remember, I think it was in the 60s sometime and they used a lot of hot water they, they release on the ebb. That water, it goes onto the north side of Loon because strange it may seem, in, the, in Morecambe Bay we have two tides. On the north side of Loon, if you draw a line from Loon Boy towards Eastham, on the north side of that, the tide ebbs off to a northwest, and on the south side of that, uh, from uh, of Loon, it ebbs off to a southwest. So you've got two different tides, and I think that that water, that the millions and millions of gallons of warm water, which is the least, I say about two hours ebb, it seems to filter onto the north side of Loon, and it's absolutely killed the roker fishing. That's only my opinion, but on saying that. In, in my chartering days, we, we've got very, very few bass. If you was lucky, you'd get the odd one now and again. But now, they're catching, in the summertime when, when they go bass fishing, they're getting small ones, up to four or five pounders, 20, 30, 40 and 50 at a time sometimes. But now, recently, this last month, they've been getting fish up to eight and 10 pounders. And they're getting 20, 30, and to get a £10 bass is quite an achievement in any angler's lifetime. So, what are your thoughts on the way the, the fishing's gone at Fleetwood over the last few years? What do you think is responsible for the way it is now? Give us an oversight. You mean commercial fishing or... Rod and line fishing. Rod and line fishing, well... Um, we're still getting the, the smaller fish like the dabs in place. You're still getting those. And hopefully in winter you're still getting the whitings and the cod. But like I said before, you, 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 I think that you, we have cycles of these things. Take the big cod for instance, like in, in, in the early 80s, late 70s, we were getting cod like 30, over 30 pound. 
not many of them, but there was once a day you'd have a, a 20 odd late, you know, in the late 20s coming, not on a regular basis, but you'd have one show in here and one show in there. And all of a sudden they, they, we had a year where we didn't get any, we've had a few years actually, uh, where we didn't get any big cod into the late teens. There was all three, four and five pounds, occasionally eight, and we had that for a couple of years. And then there was a year that they started to get a couple of twenties popped up. And I feel sure even now that the, that the, the biggins will come back at some time or other because it's a cycle that, that fish go through. But, but in those days of the late 70s, early 80s, there weren't a lot of fish about. You'd go out and you might not get many bites over the day, but what you did get, you would hopefully have a big one amongst them. Yeah. And they were, they were fairly regularly caught. You, could, you had this expectation of catching something over 20. You didn't always get it, no. but you had the expectation that you would. That's right. And uh, that seemed to, seemed to slip away in the mid-80s, and it seemed to slip into cycles of smaller fish. Mm. We were always hoping they'd come back. But they never really seem to come back. No, no, what, no. Why? Why are they, they not come back in the intervening years? Is that commercial pressure part of its natural I, cycle? I don't think it's commercial pressure because we don't have the, the ships that fish. I mean, before the war at Fleetwood, we had 120 ships coming and going, two tides a day, and the dock was always full of ships. And a lot of them used to fish the bay, what we call bay fishing, Borkham Bay, and into the Irish Sea. All those ships have gone. We haven't got any ships now. The only inshore boats that we've got that's fishing it like is the inshore boats, and we've only got about three three big ones, like 50, 60 footers, and the rest are all from 20 to 30 foot. They only go tidy, like we call tidy, with the 12 hour tide, go out on the ebb and come back on the flood. They're, they're not catching the, the, the fish. That, they, they still get a living. They must get a living, otherwise they won't do it. But they're not getting the, when you're talking about the big cod. We, we only used to catch the big cod off Russell's side from Kingscar down to the Ginn. And that's the rough ground. All that ground is all for a distance of two and a half mile, is all rough ground. Even the inshore trawlers can't tow on it. They can these days because of this, 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 the, the, the system that, that they've got. The fishing gear they've got, they can tow on rough ground now using bobbins and things like that. But in the old, the old days I know of two or three blokes that's tried to fish on the north side alone and they ripped the net to pieces. So they, they, did, oh, they did it once, they didn't do it anymore. Is the pressure not coming from elsewhere though, from further afield? Pressure in as much as it's not allowing fish to grow through to these large sizes, it's cropping them off all well, the time? I don't think so. Not really, no, because um, I mean the Irish Sea is a big is a big area, and when you look at it from the North Channel down to St George's Channel, you you're talking about uh, what perhaps 180, 200 miles. No, I don't think uh, I don't think it's overfishing because we haven't got the ships. Even the Scotsmen, their ships have all been decommissioned. I mean you, you try and work out from from Fleetwood, go north and then go south, the number of fishing ports where there is commercial fishing done. Even Whitehaven is not like it used to be. I mean, I can remember Whitehaven when the 20 or 30 sea net is working. Well, they don't, they're not there now. They might have one or two, but they're not like they used to have. And it's the same going south. What, what fishing port have you got between here and... You've got Milford Haven, and that's about the only one, south of Fleetwood. So hopefully it is a cycle of these things may well come back. Exactly. I think they will do. I've always said this. That we get a good years of cod and we've had our good years 
mind you, I must confess on the, the first good years in the early 80s, late 70s, they was good. We nearly every boat had a, a, into the teens of pounds of, of, uh, of fish, in size I'm talking about, and the odd 20 here and there, but there was a, a, a break of about six or seven years and then there was a, a spell of one or two boats did get the odd 20, 18s and 20s but they didn't, they, they wasn't, there wasn't many of them but recently we've, we've only had the small ones like three, four, five, six pounders the occasional seven or eight but it was occasionally but uh, well, I'm saying I, I hope they come back I hope they come back <laughs> for the anglers good because it's, uh, it's good for fishing Going back a little bit further in time he was commercial fishing, he was inshore fishing, he was doing his fish rounds obviously and then he went into the charter side of things. What was charter fishing like when you first went into it? How basic was it coming out of Fleetwood? Well it, it was a very successful time in my early years as charting for the first eight or ten years and we did a, a lot with Roker and we, we, didn't, we didn't so much bother about we went round to Russell and it was a time where we was going to like eight pounds, it was as big as you got in those days it was after, it was in the early, late 70s and very early 80s that we was getting the big cod, the 20s and 30s, you know, friends of yours have caught mm. 20s and 30s. Yeah. You started off when there was, uh, was it was it birds? B birds and, and, and mud lead bay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Birdie had about three boats and mud lead had one and there was a soul charting in those days. And what was that like? Without criticising them, it's... Uh, Charlie, I suppose, used to fill his boat up with 40 anglers, and if you can imagine 40 anglers on a boat, especially the size of the white angler, I mean, she was a big fine boat, but there was, he, was, he was fishing over the sand, somebody was fishing over his shoulder. There was that many anglers, I mean, it was part of his business, I suppose, to fill his ship up with anglers. Of course. And he never used to go where we used to go. Or they get to the end of the channel and that sort of thing. Or get to the prone boy, or they might go to the dumper because there's always good fishing at the dumper for dabs and place and things like that. And when you started up, you actually wanted to go further afield and develop what's going on in Morecambe Bay we to a large yeah. My experience as an inshore fisherman and fishing, line fishing for Oka in those days, um, I mean we used to shoot 200 hooks and you'd have 70 or 80 Roker, um, various places on from way, way past uh, the rough ground, the other side of Lightning Knoll, and the halfway boy to the north of that, off, off the Barra coast, they have a rough ground all the way right up to the north, what we call the northwest corner, which is the top end of Walney. We used to fish up there and we used to line up there as well. We, well, I've lined for Orca right up north side of Lightning Knoll, or Gazoon as we called it, and then just on the north side alone. And we've always been successful, always been plenty of Orca and chartering, always. You could guarantee, you could say we'll get 20 to 25 fish, and you would do. Always on the smaller tides? Uh, no, no, not on small tides. Now that's a different story. The, the best tides I found for Oka in my time was a 25, 26, 27 foot tide. Above that, you can't hold bottom. Yeah. You know, I don't have to tell you that, you yeah. know what it's like, the tide. I mean, when you get the 30 foot tides, you've got no chance of fishing for Oka on the north side alone only fishing about three and a half hours to four hours ebb as the tide started to ease down to low water and then it had flooded for about two and a half hours and then you had to pack up. 
What was the best stroke that you had on the boat anyway? Because I did hear rumours that you had one into the 30s. I had one that's 34, uh, 32 pound 4 ounces. Some fish. It, it was. It was a good fish. I mean, the record in those days was thirty-eight pounds, but that, that was then was, thrown out. It was. Yeah, it was classed as a blonde roker. Somebody. Did, I don't know why. I mean, it was, I mean, identified it was a chap. I think down south somewhere. Yeah. It was a chap down south in I think nineteen thirty-six. Yeah, it was going back some when time. He fishing off the lamps and rusting to round that way. I can't remember the exact details. And, but it was, uh, it was 36 pounds, but, um, but uh, it, it was classed as a, a thornback record yeah. for uh, lots and lots of it years. Was. And then all of a sudden it was thrown out for some, some whatever reason, I don't know. The NFSA wouldn't accept it. And that fish of yours could well have filled that slot, had you well, known at the time, but you didn't know at the time. I didn't know. In fact, I gave it away. Mm. I, I, I used to do an, ang uh, an angling club from uh, Crewe that used to work for the British Railways and, uh, and I took these lads out and was fishing on, on uh, at the dumper. There's some good roker fishing there at the, at the dumper. Just north of the dumper there's a little a little fishing area what we used to use commercially called Bug Hole and you could uh, it was a, it was a, like a like a dip in the seabed and it covered an area of about a mile, a mile and a, a mile and a half. And if you wasn't careful you got in there commercially and you couldn't get out until the tide flooded next tide. You know, he was, he was safe enough, but we used to get some big roker there, real big ones. I remember one day going out on my own, and I'd, I'd only three roker, one was 14, one was 16, and one was 18. Just three fish. Just, well, I was telling you, just north of the dumper boy. Yeah. What about the place fishing in the bay as well? Because it was always well, noted as a good place. Always, always good place fishing in Morecambe Bay, mm -hmm. if you know where the nice spots were, because Morecambe Bay, it's sand in a lot of areas, but there's a lot of a lot of rough ground like there is at Russell, uh, especially from from north side of Loon, like level with Loon Boy and Patch Boy. From there north, it's all rough ground. I mean, I've known a couple of couple of inshore lads and shoot a gear, shooting the gear there, and they come on stuck, got 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 fast, or they ripped the nets, you know. So they didn't didn't never try it anymore. And what was the quality of the fish on Northern Line like? Always good, always. I mean. Uh, even dabs and place, you can always catch them if you fish for them. I mean, don't forget when we was fishing for Oka, we had the big hooks on. Yeah, of course. But the place was there. I mean, and at one time we used to. Well, I think I've already told you this. Southeast of Gazoon, we used to get to the odd turbots. Mm, yeah. And the heaviest turbot I've seen come from there was 16 pound. And I know that because the bloke who was with me who caused it. That's going back a number of years as well. It's right? going back to the early 80s. It's not happened since, has it? No. You never hear of them. No, but uh, I did tell you when I, when I come in contact with you again, when uh, there was catching turbots around Shelley Flat, around the edge of the bank, mm -hmm. Shelley Flat Bank, they was getting the, the odd brill of eight, ten pounders, they was getting the turbot of about three and a half to four and a half. Each all they got two or three fish. And I've got a friend, friend of mine who was, he sailed without Ben actually, he recruited without Ben, did Dave and I. And he, 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 I bet he was making him down the town. I said, how's the fishing going Dave? And he tells me, and he mentioned about this, that's when I started to get older. And that's recently, in recent, this year? No, it's with it, it, it was about 12 months ago. Yeah. What about the bass fishing out in the bay? That's, that's more of a recent thing, isn't it? It is. It's, I'm going back to what I said about the hot, the hot, the hot water that let out from the nuclear power station the warm water, millions and millions of gallons, it must make a difference because it's, it's suddenly, and we never had it in March after in days, and I don't remember ever commercially catching bass, because commercially you can get the odd bass, 
but with the hot water system and if you, if you think about the tide coming out of the River Loon and the amount of tide that comes out of the River Wire, when they, when they release that water, the tide that ebbs off, it pushes the tide north and that's why the roca fishing on the north side of Loon this last couple of years, it, well not longer than that, the last 10 or 12 years it's gone zilch, getting the odd one here and there. I mean they're getting more roca now down at Russell, so, so, so I've heard, well I've heard them on when they have my set switched on. But they reckon that the, the average temperature in Morecambe Bay because of the Hesham power station has gone up by probably about one degree, but that's overall. Exactly. What you're saying is that although it's gone up on an average of one degree, in certain areas it's gone higher, it's concentrated to the north exactly. where the tides pushed it and yeah. this is affecting yeah. the fishing. And, it, and it, you know, why suddenly do they catch bass around the prone boy? Like I said to you before, I can remember seeing a dozen or 15, 30 foot proners towing around there because you, 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 all you did, you, you drifted down when he was towing your gear because we used big troll in those days with big bobbins with prone net which is very small mesh and you're getting tackled back to prawns just in that one area but you, the, the other area, there was an area on the south side of Loon what we call the south edge and on the north side of Loon that's from, we'll say the south side is King Scar to Shell Wharf and Batch Boy to Loon Boy on the, in the 12 fathom, we used to sound 12 fathom and tore down on the edge and they always got good bags of, bags of prawns and shrimps. Well things have changed. Yeah, I, saw, I believe I saw a, a programme on the tele, on the television about two or three days ago of a, a Morecambe who's uh, not catching the, pro, the prawns and shrimps, well the shrimps, they want the shrimps, they don't want the prawns and uh, he said that the, the shrimps are not, not like they used to be. Mind you, plus all the rain that we've had the rain and that mixes with the fresh water. When you think of the rivers, all the rivers that, that come down into Morecambe Bay, yeah, yeah. It's, it comes to it amounts to a lot of a lot of water. And possibly, do you think that the the extra rainfall that's occurred over the past sort of several years might that have had an influence on the fishing as well as the temperature? Yes, I suppose it could have done. Well, you've got to take all these things into consideration sometimes, especially with being like in a place called Morecambe Bay. You've got to think of that, haven't you? It shouldn't have an effect on the bass though, because bass will, no, well, will actually go into estuaries. It's the warm water, it's the warm water that the bass have come for, yep. solely, that's all it is. Mm. Because I can remember in my young days, and especially when I first started charting, very rarely did we get any bass round here. The only people that I knew that caught bass, bass fishermen fishing behind number two and four boy, where that mussel bank comes up, when the tide ebbs off, they used to get bass there. I've seen blokes walking out, bass fishing, in, fishing into the river, especially between between Lighthouse and Number Four Boy. I've always said that with being a bass fisherman, as I was down when I used to fish down at Timberth in South Devon in the 50s and 60s, I always said that the river wire would produce some bass at some time or other, but nobody ever used to fish for them like we used to do down there. When I was charting, I didn't worry about bass. I was I was too in too interested in roker and, and place and dabs and things like that, you know. Yeah. Lots of bread and butter fishing then. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can remember the time talking about cod fishing when they used to catch a lot of cod in Eastham Lake. You know where Eastham Lake is, don't you? Yep. And the two boats that used to catch them was my brother Ben and uh, John Cowell in the Lister. Because I've fished, I've tied alongside John when he's been towing up there and coming back and getting two or three boxes of cod each hole 
and after I said, look, I said, I said the lads, there's the, the cod. I said, right, and we should go and drop off and anchor. We couldn't catch him. Why, I don't know, but John caught him in the net. You know, it's strange, what you know you are. And I think only once do we ever remember catching cod a good amount. And now, my brother Ken, when he had the when he had his charter boat, he anchored one day off um, the first boy into into River Loon, the yellow one. He anchored there and did about 20 odd fish up to 24 pound. And that was the, first, the only time. And I was fishing alongside him, but I couldn't catch him, I'll tell you. But he had him. One of the things that's come on in leaps and bounds, but it's, it's gone in cycles as well, has been the talk fishing. Was you ever really into the talk? I don't suppose your anglers were that bothered. No, 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 not, not really. I mean, was you never picking up accidentally, getting bothered well, by them when you were thrown back in? Well, very rare. You'd, you'd get one on, but you'd break your line, or your hook yeah. was too small. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of talk about, it, especially if you, if you, yeah, if, if you talk fish properly, you can you make a good living out of it. It's actually illegal to kill talk now. Is it? Uh, from the 5th of April this year, a law's come in that no boat is allowed to bring talk into any English port, English and Welsh port. Oh. And it's not illegal in Scotland yet. No, no. But, uh, yeah. What's the idea of that? Protection. It's an angling-only species now. Oh. Which is no bad thing. Yeah, yeah. If, it, if it goes on to other species mm. as well to get more protection mm. in for the angling yeah, fish. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I used to throw this out like you didn't at one time at all. Well, there's enough of them out there at the moment. Yeah, there must be. I mean, yeah. I fished out with uh, with Andy on Blue Mink earlier this year, and no matter what you put down, we couldn't get away from no, them. No, they're a bloody nuisance, aren't they? Yeah. Well, a nuisance if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> what about other species of fish? Have you ever come across any any unusual fish on your travels? Well, in, in this area, I mean, have you been fishing on the charter boats or even on the commercial boats? No, not really. No, just had the co ju just the ordinary chub, whiting, cod. I remember. Um, it was probably in the 1980s, just for a very brief, maybe a year or two years, we made a bit of a run of stingrays off Cleveland's as well, and they never came back again, we never heard any more about them. Uh, yeah, well, you, yeah, you get this, don't you? Wherever, wherever you are fishing, you always get the, the odd different type of fish that pops up now and again, you know. One of the things that, that's amazed me most of all, I went to Heesham Power Station probably in the 1980s and where the big intakes are, they've got these big drums that catch all the rubbish to stop any rubbish being sucked mm -hmm. in. And these drums are full of triggerfish, but nobody ever catches them. And people say, well, it's bound to be full of triggerfish because it's warm water. Mm -hmm. But when the triggerfish are moving up from cold water, they don't know they're going to find warm water at Morecambe. Uh, triggerfish, I've never heard of them. What are they? It's, uh, it's like a flattened fish, like a bream. It's got a, a very erect spine on, it, on its back. You catch them on the line, you can oh. catch them. They're, they're not easy things to catch, no, but you can no. catch them, but nobody's ever caught one, and yet the intakes yeah. of Heesham are full of them. Oh. That's bizarre. Triggerfish, I've never heard of them. You've not? No, I haven't. No, I'll be honest with you. What about black bream? Oh, black bream, yeah. Oh. One or two of them are showing off here as well. So I believe. Mm. So I believe, and yeah. And Andy's picking up a few. He's not had a lot. No. Uh, particularly off the bottom end of Walney, but he's yeah. picking a few yeah. up. There's a few yeah. off Russell. Yeah. I've never no. had one yet. But no, no. Anyway, what do you think of the future for angling off the uh, off the Lancashire coast? What do you think it's got in store for us? Well, we'll always have fishing. That's obvious. That we'll always have fishing, and the the, the main fish like cod, white in place, dabs, flounders, and tope, um That we've just been talking about the odd black bream and other fish that you don't like turbot and things. We'll always have them. When I'm talking about fishing, I've always found that your best fishing, like cod fishing, is always on 30 foot tides. 
that's against 24, 25 foot tides and uh, the, the fishing from about 25, 26 foot up if you can manage to hold bottom is always good always has been and it always will be around here Many thanks for that Frank A fascinating insight into some of the history behind the rod and line fishing scene along the Lancashire coast with a wealth of experience possibly never to be repeated and more certainly that money could never buy.